towards day 37 of the Heidelberg Catechism. This is connected to the third commandment, and the third commandment is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And then we confess in Lord's Day 37, page 554 in the book of praise. But may we swear an oath by the name of God in a godly manner? Yes, when the government demands it of its subjects or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Such oath-taking is based on God's word and was therefore rightly used by saints in the Old and the New Testament. May we also swear by saints or other creatures? No. A lawful oath is a calling upon God who alone knows the heart to bear witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, think about what the following statements reveal about the trustworthiness of a person. This time, I really mean it. I swear I'm telling the truth about what I mean to do. It's the gospel truth. Isn't it interesting that all these expressions show that the speaker assumes he or she is not being considered trustworthy? People who say this time to qualify their promises know that they had been untruthful in the past. People who feel the need to swear that they are telling the truth about something, some trivial matter have probably tricked people before, perhaps by crossing their fingers behind their back when they made a promise, or maybe they have a history of cheating on games. They're not likely to be believed. They know that. People who claim that one particular thing that they say is, this is the gospel truth, they're making a distinction between different qualities of truth that may come out of their mouth, as if there are promises that are lightly, lightly made and less likely to be kept. And then there are promises that are given more weight and belong to this higher category of gospel truth. These are the kinds of things that our Lord Jesus addressed when he preached about the third commandment in the Sermon on the Mount. Life becomes chaotic when people cannot rely on one another's words and statements. But the right understanding of the third commandment makes life and relationships possible. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus gave instruction that makes us think very carefully about the ways we choose to confirm the trustworthiness of our words. The clear conclusion is that swearing oaths is only a small part of proving trustworthiness, and that oaths in the name of the Lord can only serve to promote harmony and unity 
if we make our oaths in a context of an entire life of honesty and faithfulness and trustworthiness. If we don't reflect the glory and trustworthiness of God's holy name in every part of our lives as salt and light in the world, then our selfish, manipulative, and dishonest hearts actually undermine any oaths that we may need to make sometime. And we end up using God's name in vain. We might say the right words, but if our hearts are not sincere and we are not trustworthy people, we end up blaspheming God's name. When the Holy Spirit leads the citizens of God's kingdom into the path of obedience to the third commandment, he does not teach us to avoid perjury by swearing by things other than God, like the Jewish leaders were doing, or to avoid oaths altogether, like many religious groups today do, but rather he gives us the Christian desire to be trustworthy citizens of God's kingdom every day in our lives. And I preach you this gospel under the theme, Citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven, Reflect God's name by being trustworthy. We'll see promise keepers and sincere speakers. The Lord's explanation of the third commandment in the Sermon on the Mount begins with the starting point. You have heard that it was said to those of old. And in the elaboration of the third commandment in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, there were clear commandments against swearing falsely, which meant performing, and the people were called to perform to the Lord what they had sworn. In these first words of his instruction, Jesus acknowledges that God has not forbidden using his name for oaths and promises, and we confess the same thing in Lord's Day 37 of the Heidelberg Catechism. There are times when oaths are necessary, and God graciously allowed us to use his name as a guarantee of our words when the government demands it of its subjects or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. So we confess it in Lord's Day 37. Using oaths in a godly manner was rightly done by saints in the Old and the New Testament, and it expresses our faith in God's omniscience, that he knows everything. He knows what's in our hearts. It expresses our faith in God's holiness as the source of all truth. He is the one who bears witness to the truth. It shows our faith in God's omnipotence, his all power, that he's all powerful, and in his justice, because he is one who is able to punish us if we swear falsely. And when we use oaths in a godly manner, we express our faith in God's goodness, because he is allowing us to use his name for unity in earthly affairs. And so the godly use of oaths honors the name of the one true God. When we invoke the name of the Lord in an official manner through an oath, we affirm the trustworthiness of our words and our lives, and we do that by pointing to the one trustworthy one of all, the Lord himself. It's noteworthy that the situations that we list as appropriate for oaths 
are connected to testifying as witnesses to events that happened in the paths in the past oaths can only be used with respect to the future when they are connected to a recognition of a calling that we have right now in order to behave in a certain way like we see in profession of faith or marriage vows or ordination to office and we see that oaths in the future are often connected to a promise to a particular action that will take place regardless of the circumstances and so Abraham's servant could swear an oath that he would only look for a wife among those of the, 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 the people of God for Abraham's son. Not everyone, we see, is capable of making an oath in the name of the Lord. And there are many times when it is better not to make an oath at all. And our Lord, in Matthew 5, the Lord Jesus warns about the practice of using oath-like language but then changing the wording of the oath a bit so you wouldn't actually need to be bound to what you promised. In Jesus' day, people were making a distinction between swearing by the name of the Lord and by swearing by things that were associated with the Lord or even by their own heads. And they argued that although the Bible demands that we keep the promises we make, when we swear an oath in the name of the Lord, the Bible doesn't tell us that we need to keep the promises we make when we swear an oath by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem or by our own heads. Certainly, those promises are not as weighty. And this led the Pharisees and the hypocrites to make distinctions between the temple and the gold of the temple, between the altar and the gift on the altar claiming that they didn't need to be as bound or bound at all by the lesser oaths. And as you can see, these distinctions ended up making a mockery of the real oaths that God commanded in His Word. And at the same time, as the Lord showed this, He also showed that even if people try to swear by so-called lesser things, such as heaven or earth or Jerusalem or one's head, they were still answerable to God who was above all these things, who was watching us on the earth. And so their unfaithfulness, their dishonesty, their broken promises were equally displeasing to the Lord, whether they actually used a real oath in the name of the Lord or they used a secondary oath. When the Lord gave His name to be used in oaths, he also commanded that those who use his name must not break their word. When we walked in today, we saw a portion of the law, Numbers 30, verse 2, the display text, which leaves no doubt, ends saying, he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. The clear instruction of the third commandment is to be obeyed every time we open our mouths whether or not someone else would like our words confirmed with an oath. Whether we use an oath or we don't use an oath, it never influences what we say, as if we only need to tell the truth when we're under oath. For oaths are meant to help the hearer. We confess in, in Lord's Day 36 that there is such a thing as an unnecessary oath 
which is basically calling the Almighty God and His name into our situation in an official manner to testify to the truth of the words you are speaking, even though no one has asked you to do this. That's a sin because it makes light of God's name. It it uses God's name carelessly, like a person does when they curse and use God's name in anger or without reverence. Our Lord Jesus explains that ultimately the third commandment has to do with what we reveal to the world about the name of the Lord that we bear as his image bearers. And just as the Lord himself is not only truthful when he makes an oath, as if his truthfulness could be questioned in other circumstances, so also the citizens of the kingdom of God who bear his name will strive to always keep their promises, whether they are swearing an oath or not. And this begins by being careful not to make promises that you cannot keep, that you shouldn't keep, or that you are not planning to keep. You have rightly heard that it was said that you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Christians are not are right to take their profession of faith and their marriage and their ordination vows very seriously. Not only by making sure that they know what they are professing to be true, but also following through on the actions they promise. On a more day-to-day level, Christians should be careful to keep all the commitments they make, whether they are school assignments or promises to do chores in the home or promises to do something for another person. The name of God we bear suffers dishonor if Christians who bear his name do not keep their word. And our Lord Jesus' instruction in Matthew 5 helps us to see that when we overcommit ourselves, we are also in danger of breaking the third commandment. The sluggard who commits himself to a project by putting his hand in the dish, but does not finish that project off by bringing it back to his mouth, ruins his own credibility and his trustworthiness. He causes the name of God to be blasphemed. Citizens of the kingdom of heaven are led by the Holy Spirit to be good project partners, faithful businessmen who deliver the product they promised at the time they promised, who pay their workers a fair wage on time. Not only does this bring glory to God, but it also increases the value of your contact and your relationships to others. And it ensures that if you ever are called upon to make an oath, you will not undermine the force and the power of the oath, nor the name of the Lord you use. The quality of our speaking determines the value of our contact with one another in all situations. And so the only way to glorify God's name in our speaking is to speak sincerely all the time. When the Lord Jesus uses the words, but I say to you, or and I say to you, he immediately calls us to understand the deeper level of the law. 
When Jesus says, do not take an oath at all, he is pointing out that if you change the character of oaths and diminish their seriousness, your oaths are no longer serving the purpose for which God has given them. There simply cannot be different levels of oaths. Even if you refer to the things associated with the Lord, you are ultimately speaking in the presence of God who sees your heart. We cannot steal this honor away from the sovereign God. And it is a terrible dishonor to God's name when we try to keep the door open for getting out of our promises by swearing by things other than the Lord himself or by crossing our fingers when we make a promise. An oath is made in the name of the Lord or it is not an oath at all. Promise is made in the presence of God. When less binding oaths are, off, are permitted, then we end up creating a spectrum or a, a scale of different truth qualities, kind of indicating to others how our yes should be taken by the hearer. Can you imagine what it's like talking to people if you can't be sure whether you can't be sure of whether they would do what they said they would do or not. As a listener, you would hate, hear people say, I swear this by the gold of the temple, or God is my witness, or I call the altar as my witness, or by my own head, or I'd bet my life on it. And you'd have to decipher if they really meant it or if they kind of meant it. And then you have to decide if you could depend a lot on their words or if it would be better to depend a little so that you don't get disappointed. Is that person really calling God to punish him if he swears falsely? Or is he just using oath language to make me feel better? Do you see how half-hearted promises and insincere speaking in the rest of our life can make people think that you associate the name of the Lord with something less than true in some situations. You can see how harmful this is for children who hear this kind of insincere speech from their parents. No wonder it's so hard for so many children to believe that God is serious all the time. We need to understand that every promise we make, every word we speak is spoken in the presence of the Lord himself and testifies to what we believe about him. Our Lord Jesus' solution was to let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this, he says, comes from the evil one. Now this is harder than it seems because, as our Lord Jesus points out, you cannot make one hair white or black. Now the hair stylist here today may, may want to correct this assumption and perhaps even encourage me to consider changing some white hair to black. But our Lord is talking about the natural color of hair. Hair at the natural level cannot be altered even by colored dyes. Jesus' point is that part of speaking sincerely is recognizing that we are all individuals made by God 
in that we cannot promise ourselves out of who we are. You cannot promise to be someone you are not or to do something you are incapable of doing. In order to let what we say be simply yes or no, we need to think seriously about how we answer and be aware of the temptation to just say what other people want to hear or to rely on subtle hints as indicators that our promise is not actually trustworthy. So we might say something like, sure, I can help you. Or we might wink when we speak to let people know that we're not sure if we are able to do what we promise. And our Lord Jesus ends with strong words to help us keep our yes, yes, and our no, no. He says that anything outside of faithful, honest, and sincere speaking that displays the name of the Lord to our neighbor, anything outside of this actually comes from evil, comes from the evil one. Again, we see the the real spiritual war that we are in. Jesus is talking about all those situations where we look at something and we start with a sinful desire, such as lust or greed. And then, deciding what we want, we lightly make all kinds of promises on our way to getting what we want. I swear, we might say, I swear with the Lord as my witness that I'll love you, blah, blah, blah. Now will you come and live with me? If you just give me that lucrative contact so, contract so that I can be rich, I solemnly sign this contract before God as my witness that I will get more qualified for this job. Anything you want, blah, 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 just get me the contract. I promise, I pinky swear, do anything else I can to convince you, blah, 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 that I'll change, I'll be kinder, I'll, I'll get help. Can you just give me another chance? Well, our Lord tells us that God's name should not be used to help you to manipulate others to just achieve a sinful desire in your heart. James 5 verse 12 says that we will fall under condemnation if our yes is not yes and our no is not no. Makes us wonder how often do we make Promises based on unrealistic daydreams or ambition or sinful desires and then speak as insincerely as a crooked used car salesman to try and get what we want. The fact of the matter is that there are some things that you can commit to and there are other things you cannot. And even when you, your own limitations may prevent you from doing what you want, like getting that job contract, it is sinful to veil your doubts with oath-type language that is used to mislead the hearer into trusting someone who is not trustworthy. If we define the level of our commitments clearly and honestly, There will not be any need to use God's name for an oath because God's name and reputation for truth and trustworthiness is already being revealed in every part of our lives. The Lord Jesus' clear instruction for His disciples was to live every moment in the presence of God for heaven is His throne, the earth 
is his footstool. Jerusalem is his city, and he alone is able to change the natural color of a person's head, hair. Your life is open before the Lord. He knows all things. He sees all things. He can do all things. Let us speak sincerely with the heavens open before us, knowing that God can see. His name is on our shoulders. It saddens our heart to see how often we misrepresent what the Lord is like, what His name is like by saying things or, or doing things or failing to do things that show to others that we are actually not very trustworthy people. Our lack of trustworthiness and our veiled and misleading communication so often takes away from the value of our interactions. It harms our relationships. That's why we give thanks to the Lord for the third commandment. The light of the third commandment shows this to us now. So we may humble ourselves by the truth. We may repent before the Lord and confess our sins before Him and to those we have harmed. Turn to Him and we see in Him a loving Savior, His Son Jesus Christ, whom God sent guaranteed His work even by oath in Hebrews 6. We praise God for the gospel that peace in His kingdom does not depend on us and on our ability to be truthful and guard the truth, but rather on His holy name. His truth must fill our hearts. His truth that comes to us as we study His Word and humble ourselves before His Word. And there we see that God is always faithful. No matter what people say, no matter what lies people seem to get away with, no matter how much fake news we come across, no matter how much deception and truth-twisting that we encounter in our own hearts and lives, the Lord calls us to be trustworthy, to reflect His name, and to know that in Him there is an absolute truth. There is a holy God. There is a righteous judge, a righteous judge who sees every situation, who promises to bring vindication. And on that last day, the truth will be completely revealed. And may it show us on our knees, clinging to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and rejoicing in His work for us and in our place. Let us strive to reflect the trustworthiness and the honesty of our God in all our dealings as He leads us by His Spirit in obedience to the third commandment, living by the oath of the church so beautifully captured in Psalm 119 that we sang together at the beginning of the service, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Amen.